This morning we continue in our Lenten series, The God We Can Know. And we were invited last week to begin our Lenten journey in the wilderness with Moses. And there's something about the wilderness that that really captures for the church, has captured for the church for thousands of years at the heart of what we want Lent to be for us. When the church was only a few centuries old, they began to observe the season of Lent, that time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, those 40 days marking and remembering the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness in which he allowed himself after fasting to feel the same weakness that we feel as humanity. He allowed himself to be tempted in ways that we are tempted. And the hope is over the season of, of Lent, as, as we perhaps give something up that, uh, you know, that, that maybe we're, we're used to being a part of our lives, my, my father uh, almost every year gives up coffee. And, and I just tell him, look, I'm going to pray for you. You are a way better person than I. Um, I couldn't do it. And, and, uh, but but he, he willingly gives that up. And the idea is not just that you sacrifice something or, or that you do so for the sake of doing it. It's, it's not just... A, a redo on New Year's resolutions that maybe you, you've already, uh, you know, given, given back into, but it truly is an opportunity for us to consider what Christ was willing to give up on our behalf. Consider the fact that God in the flesh was willing to feel and experience human weakness and frailty, and Jesus allowed himself to be tempted in ways that we are tempted so that we might know that in Christ, our God is a God who is approachable. And so our our hope and our prayer is that over these next uh, 40 days in this season of Lent, that you would be willing to journey into the wilderness of your own heart. And that can be a frightening place for us to go. In fact, the the world likes to convince us that it's probably safer if we stay away from there. It's probably safer if we don't allow other people in. Let's, Let's present an exterior and a facade in which everything is okay. We have this tendency when we pass people in the grocery store and say, how are you doing? Oftentimes the response is what? I'm fine. We don't want to stop in the cereal aisle and tell people how we are really doing. Because the next time they see us, they probably wouldn't ask. But what a gift to be able to journey into the wilderness knowing that God meets us in that place. And so in this series, we're considering this God we can know, this God who put on skin and came to walk among us, the God who through prophets, the God who through visions, the God who through the, the visitation of angels worked to make himself known to the people of the Old Testament, the God who appeared in a, a burning bush that was not consumed, the God who spoke to Moses. This is a God who longs to be known. We read in Scripture that God dwells in unapproachable fire, and yet in the person of Jesus, God has come near. What a gift for us that ours is a God who can be known and who longs to be known by us. And so we begin this morning with the I am statements of Jesus. And in each of the statements that Jesus makes, we learn something about who God is. We learn something about the person of Christ, but we also learn something about who we are. You see, in the I am statement that Jesus will make this morning, I am the bread of life, Jesus tells those who who are searching for him. Not only do we understand something about what Jesus is offering, but we hear in that you hunger for something that only I can give you. 
in making this I am statement, Jesus is connecting to the God of Israel's history, to the God who revealed himself to Moses in that way. Who, who should I tell them has sent me? God says to Moses when he's asked that question, tell them I am has sent you. And for as much ink has been spilled by commentators trying to understand what is in that name and what God is saying there, we still can't truly know except for the fact that God continues to reveal himself in the person of Christ. So in the I am statement this morning, we hear that Jesus can satisfy us. We will hear in the coming weeks that Jesus is light in our darkness, that he is guide and protector, which means that we are like sheep who are wandering, that he is the source of vitality and life, which means that we need something to be connected to that is greater than ourselves, that he is a certainty when we are perplexed, when we work hard to create a, a truth that is our own, a truth that is relative, we need a truth that is outside of us and fixed. And most importantly, he is our hope in the face of death. He is resurrection. He is life. Jesus' desire is not that we should receive him for what he might give us, but that we would receive him for who he came to be for us. If you're able... And if you would, in honor of the reading of God's word, please stand with me. We'll be in John chapter 6 this morning, beginning with verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever experienced such hunger that you were willing to eat just about anything? Now, some of you might have to go back to maybe college days, maybe when you were dared to eat something, maybe a pepper that was the hottest pepper in the world or some conglomeration of food that, that your roommates threw together and said, I, listen, this is awful, but I, I, I bet you won't eat it. Maybe there are times that we eat something because we're dared to eat it, but there are times in our lives when we've experienced such hunger that we feel like I could eat just about anything. Our, our youth ministry for years has uh, participated in the summer with a ministry called Wilderness Trail. It's a backpacking ministry, and it's an incredible incredible opportunity for for our students to unplug and to get in in the woods for five days and just do the simple task of walking. 
And, and over the course of five days, they, they cover about 40 or 50 miles, and, and there's no distraction, and there's, there's no outside noise, and it's an opportunity to just hear from God. Also over the course of five days, I mean, I would say like day two, because I've had the privilege of getting to do this trip a number of times. Day two, you feel like you've been out there for two months. You are as hungry as you can ever remember being in your life. And so things like a, a, a dry bar of ramen noodles, like you don't even need water for it. Just give me the dry ramen noodles. And you, you'd like to think well, it's like a rice cake, only it's not like a rice cake. It's like, a, it's like the steel wool version of rice cake. And, and then you think, well, maybe if I throw some peanut butter on top of it, right, that, that'll make it a little bit better. And it is, and it's good. And then you find in your pack is a can of easy cheese. And so you just slather that on top of it. And it is like manna from heaven. And, and you eat these, these things and you come home and think, gosh, I loved ramen noodles. I, I should have ramen noodles in, you know, in the pantry. And, and you go and you open a pack of ramen noodles and you pull them out. And my wife is like, what are you doing? Are you not... Aren't you going to boil those? And I'm like, no, you sh- these are really good, just dry. And, and you eat the things that you eat on trail in your home and realize this does not fulfill me the way that it did when, when I was out there. And, and on day three, you begin to play this game as you're walking along in your group. And really, you, you don't have anything to do but talk and walk. And, and you play this game that is, gosh, I'm so hungry now. Like if you could have anything, what would it be? And, you know, we begin by naming restaurants in Boone that we love. I'd love a big burrito from, from Black Cat. That, that, would, that would fulfill me. And, and so then when you sit down that night and you eat your rice and beans in, in a cold uh, flour tortilla, you, you want that so badly to be Black Cat, but you realize it's not. The rice is undercooked. The beans are a little mushier than you'd like for them to be, and it just doesn't get the job done. You're, you're left wanting more. No matter how much we would eat, no matter how much we, we eat when we come home from the trip, we're left wanting more. And friends, that has been the story of humanity since the very beginning. It doesn't matter what we reach for. It doesn't matter what we, we hope will, will fulfill us and, and will satisfy us. We are always left wanting more unless we seek that satisfaction in the person of Jesus. And that's what we find Jesus calling attention to this morning. That's what we find him challenging those who have journeyed from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other in search of him. You see, it's believed that many of these were the, the people who were a part of that group of the 5,000 plus that Jesus fed with a few loaves of bread and some fish. Those who had come to hear what he had to say because Jesus is at a point in his ministry now where people or traveling great distances just to be in his presence, just to hear this, this teacher who taught with authority in a way that no one else did, or just to see what Jesus was going to do. Maybe not even to encounter him themselves, but just to be close enough to watch. And so these people are there gathered, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, you should probably send these, these folks home because it's getting late, and there's, you know, they need to eat. And, and Jesus says, well, what do we have to work with? Well, we have five loaves of bread and some fish. Jesus says, that'll do. And he gives thanks and he feeds the multitudes. And then the disciples leave to head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and 
And then later in the night, Jesus goes to join them, and the people wake up the next morning and realize Jesus is gone, and so they travel on foot from one side of the lake to the other. When they found him on the other side, they asked him, Rabbi, when, when did you get here? And it's, it's hard to know whether or not they're just making small talk like, like you do if you run into somebody in a, you know, a, a, like a, a gathering. You say, well, you, you've been here long? Like, I mean, does it matter how long they've been there? But we don't really know what to say in those moments. We, we're trying to find a way to enter the conversation. Or maybe they're, they're asking a deeper question. If you're the Messiah, when, when did you get here? Or maybe they really want to know because they've done the math. They saw the disciples leave and then they saw that Jesus wasn't in the boat with them when the day was ending and yet when the day the next day began Jesus was gone he was not in their presence and so they want to know when did you get here how was it that you got from one side of the lake to the other and they're asking a question but they're not asking the right question And I love that Jesus doesn't answer the question they asked. Instead, he answers the question that is underneath that. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He doesn't say to them, yeah, I sent the disciples on and they went on across the Sea of Galilee. And then sometime in the night, I decided I wanted to join them. So I walked across the water to get to them and we... I got in the boat and then we made our way to the other side because that's not really what they're after. They're searching for something deeper. And it it makes me wonder how often do we stop short in our requests of Jesus in our prayer life and praying for ourselves or our own families or, or praying for others. How often do we stop short and not really seek the thing that Jesus wants to offer? Praise God that Jesus is not willing to deal in in surface-level things. That instead, he is one who is willing always to go to the very heart of the matter. He's one who's willing to go to the heart of our deepest need. Jesus calls them out. He said, it's not because you want to know more about me. It's because you ate something that you liked and you want more of it. It wasn't that your hearts were stirred necessarily. It wasn't that you had some great revelation, although there were signs that maybe should have caused you to lean in and ask a deeper question. But instead, you came because your bellies were full and you liked what you were given. And what they are after is not really what they need. It's not more bread. It's not more fish because Jesus came to offer more than the ability to host a great number of people in John 10 10 Jesus says I have come that they may have life and have it to the full and the life that he is offering is so much more than temporary fulfillment it is eternal Satisfaction. Jesus says, it's not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, as if to say, even if you came with just some measure of faith, I could work with that. Even if you were curious because of the signs, I could work with that. That's a great 
beginning point. And yet Jesus doesn't wait for us to reach the, the correct beginning point. Jesus is willing to meet us where we are. And so that's where he meets this crowd who has come to find him and who is asking him this question that is really not the right question at all. Jesus is, is willing to invite them into a place of examining what it is that they are really after. There's a need that you have that's much deeper than just having your stomach spilled. There's a pain that's far greater than that of a grumbling stomach, one that is empty because you haven't had food since last night or since yesterday. It's the pain of a soul, the yawning void within you that you have been seeking to fill with things that were never meant to, to satisfy you. Rather than reflecting on the spiritual significance of what they had seen in the multiplication of loaves and, and fish and the abundance of what is possible in, in, in connection with Jesus, they were simply driven by hunger that they were experiencing, missing the thing which Jesus was seeking to reveal to them. One commentator puts it this way, instead of seeing the bread, instead of seeing in the bread the sign they had seen in the sign only bread. Instead of seeing in the bread the sign, they had seen in the sign only bread. They came because their hunger had been filled, but they were not moved by full hearts rather than full bellies. How often is God trying to reveal something to us in the signs that he allows us to see? I've never seen a, a burning bush that's not being consumed, but there are moments that I know that God has been seeking to get my attention. And sometimes I see those things, and other times, if I'm honest, it's not in, in, until after the fact that I realize God was moving, trying to grab my attention. What are the things that, that Jesus might be using to gain your attention that you're, you're too focused on, on something that is more short-sighted or something that is more temporary that you're missing what Jesus is really trying to show you. These people had a desire, and desire is not wrong. Jesus is not chastising them for having desire. He's not even chastising them for being hungry. He's just saying that desire is short-sighted. You're missing the mark. You're placing your hunger for something temporary at the center when what is meant to be at the center we will find is Jesus. Desire is not something that we like to talk about a lot. It, it's this, this word that we, we're not really sure what to do with, yet all of us were created with desire. All of us were created with desire for, for food. All of us were created with desire for relationship, for companionship, to know that we are loved. All of us were created with a desire to be known and to have meaning and purpose. And when we place our hopes on people and things in this world to meet that desire— we are asking something of those people and those things that they were never meant to bear up under. We will always be let down. If I seek fulfillment in another person, if I seek satisfaction in something the world can give me, then ultimately I will find myself disappointed because I am asking the world to be something it was never intended to be. Should we be able to eat food that we enjoy that fulfills us? Absolutely. Absolutely but that's always meant to point us to something more. 
Should we ex- be able to experience in, in a friendship or in relationship the, the gift of belonging, the gift of being known and loved? Absolutely. But it's always meant to be a reflection of something more. It's always meant to be a reflection of the relationship and companionship that we're meant to find with our Heavenly Father through Christ. Adam and Eve had desires, and God gave them things that were good to enjoy. And yet they allowed themselves, like so many of us, to become convinced that God was withholding something. When they were tempted, like God has given you all this, but did God really say that you couldn't eat that fruit? Look how good it looks. Look how appealing to the eye. It must taste so good. And if you eat it, you'll gain wisdom. You'll be like God. One of my seminary professors describes the garden, describes this picture that we have in creation, is that in the midst of all of the swirling chaos, God created this place where we live in harmony and in relationship with our creator. This place where God walks in the garden with humanity. This place where God has given us good things to enjoy. And we responded by poking a hole in it and allowing all of that chaos to come rushing in. But praise God that he was not content to leave us in the midst of our swirling chaos that we create in our lives, in the midst of misplaced desires and short-sighted hunger, that in the person of Christ, God came, that we might know what it means to be satisfied. What are ways that the desires that you have that are ultimately a desire that only Christ can fill, what are the ways that you find yourself stopping short? This is not a new thing for humanity. We read from the author of Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, in all that the splendor of their kingdom, all the splendor that they, they had, they step back and, and, and survey it. This is from Ecclesiastes 2. Verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So Jesus has their attention. And yet they respond by saying, well, what must we do to do the works that God requires? The ways that we would ask that question would be something like, well, how many times a month do I have to attend church? Or how many committees do I need to serve on? Or what religious boxes do I need to check in order to be filled? And the practice of those things are good for us. It's good for us to gather in community. It's good for us to serve and be a part of what God is doing through the church. But Jesus is quick to point out that it's not about checking those boxes. That is not going to satisfy and fulfill you. He simply says the work of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. To say yes to what is being offered. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I love when people quote scripture to Jesus. As if Jesus would say, oh my gosh, I forgot about the manna. You're right. 
Or, or they begin to ask him, what, what, what sign, what thing are you going to do so that we know that you are the one sent by the Father? Jesus is so much more patient than I would be. First of all, I am the manna from heaven. Second of all, weren't you just with me when I fed 5,000 of you with some bread and some fish? Jesus is so patient in his response. He reminds them, the manna wasn't from Moses, it it was from God. It was from the God who called your ancestors out of slavery. From the God who calls you out of slavery. It was from the God who promised to sustain them on the journey, who every day gave them something that they didn't work for, that they didn't earn, that they didn't deserve, and yet he graciously provided so that they would have what they needed for the journey, so that they would continue to look to him. Jesus then spoke of the bread that God gives, the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, we want that bread. Give us that bread always like the woman at the well. Give me that water so I don't have to keep coming to the well in the heat of the day to draw water. Give us that bread always. And then Jesus, seizing an opportunity, says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Does it mean that if we receive what Jesus is offering, we never have to eat again? No. But it means that perhaps we'll stop looking to things of this world and things that the world is offering us to find satisfaction. Can we hope to be full from a meal? Certainly. Can we hope for a relationship with someone else to be fulfilling? Yes. But what we can begin to understand is that as great as that meal is, as great as that fellowship is, as great as that connection with another person is, That's not the thing that is meant to satisfy the deep desires of my heart. That's only found in Jesus. And when we begin to wrap our lives around that truth, what we find is that everything else is a gift. A great meal, a great conversation, a deep connection with someone. It's all a gift meant to point us in gratitude to the one who gave it. knowing and understanding that it's in him that we find our deepest need met. Jesus knows our deepest need and he is willing to go straight to the heart of it. He's willing to allow us to feel the sting of want and to feel that yawning void within us. He's willing to allow us to come to the end of our ropes. He was willing to allow that to happen in my own life. And I wish I had time to tell you my story, but as I was preparing this week, I thought, this is my story. After a week I spent at Myrtle Beach that I never should have been a part of, and in retrospect, the ways that God protected me over the course of that week, I'll never forget the trip home when I really felt like I was hearing distinctly the voice of God saying to me, I have so much more for you than this. You tried to fill the void in your life with these things that were never meant to fill it. I have something that will satisfy. Jesus knows our deepest need. He's willing to go straight to the heart of it because for Jesus, for Messiah, for the Savior of the world, as Will Willimon says in his book on the Lord's Prayer, 
He has compassion on hungry people. He is the Savior for whom hunger is an affront to the inbreaking kingdom of God. He is the host who is willing to feed us. Jesus is the host who is willing to feed us. He's not content to leave us at our short-sighted requests. He's not content to leave us grasping for things that were never meant to fulfill us and satisfy us. But he is the bread of life, the bread from heaven, and he is the host who invites us to the table that we might experience a taste of what it means to be satisfied in him. Amen.